Hey everyone, this is the first of a series of daily podcasts that I'll be producing. They'll be slightly different from the podcasts I've been doing. Uh, rather than doing 30 minutes of a very well-structured lecture that ties in many different topics, um, this these podcasts are going to be a little bit more narrow, narrow a little bit more freeform, a little bit more of a rant. Um, and I'll be trying to produce these every day. Today I am recording on Ash Wednesday, which is the first day of Lent, uh, which I'll explain a bit more in a minute, but uh, I, I basically put together a schedule of what I'll be talking about on this daily podcast. I'm thinking that every Wednesday will be art interpretation. So for the purpose of this podcast, in order to tie Ash Wednesday in with uh, some art interpretation, I've selected the G- the Ghent altarpiece, which is one of the most famous pieces of European art currently located in the St. Bavo Cathedral. Um, so before I, I get into this piece of art, I want to explain the concept of Ash Wednesday and some of the symbolism behind it. What happens on Ash Wednesday is Catholics and Christians, I don't know if every denomination of Christianity does it, but at least Catholics will go to Mass, and the priest will dip his thumb in uh, in some ash and put a cross on each of the Mass participants' foreheads. That's why you'll see people with uh, ash, a cross of ash on their foreheads during this day. Now, the palms, the burned palms, represent this kind of mortality and some of the more... Uh, gothic, death-oriented elements of Catholicism. And what they are meant to invoke is the concept of a sacrifice, of a burnt offering. During Lent, Catholics are called to give up something in preparation for Easter. Lent is the 40-day period before Easter, and Easter is the day that Catholics celebrate the rebirth of Christ. He dies on Good Friday, and then three days later on Easter Sunday, he he's resurrected. Now, on Good Friday, he makes his ultimate sacrifice. And during Lent, Christians are asked to give up something in order to emulate that sacrifice. Typically, some kind of vice, like drinking, in order to... Um, to, to make a smaller version of this ultimate sacrifice that Jesus makes. And within this concept of Jesus making the ultimate sacrifice comes in the symbolism of the Lamb. Jesus is often called the Lamb of God throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, and then also throughout uh, the subsequent Christian mythology that developed after the writing of the Gospels, and also in Catholic and Christian art. This is especially the case in the Ghent altarpiece. This altarpiece is a polyptic. It is uh, multiple, it is 10 panels of art painted by Hubert and John van Eyck. It's currently housed in the St. Bavo Cathedral, and it's considered to be one of the greatest pieces of European art. It's considered to be completely ahead of its time in terms of the technicality of the painting and the profundity of the symbolism. It's been stolen six times. It's been looted through three different wars. Napoleon stole it. 
Um, it was illegally sold on the black market, and one of the panels is still missing, which adds a whole layer of conspiracy theories and fantasy and 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 mythology around this mysterious piece of art. In recent, it has been in the news recently because of a restoration project that was just recently completed this past December. There are some peculiar elements to the piece, which were the the focal point of the restoration project, and many people consider it to be very surreal, but also extremely theologically significant. Like I said a minute ago, it's a polyptic, which uh, just means it's a a piece with with many different panels. Uh, Essentially, it's two rows of five panels, and this, there's one panel in the middle row, in the bottom row in the middle, called Adoration of the Mystical Lamb. The paint, the piece Adoration of the Mystical Lamb features uh, crowds of angels and saints all gathered around this, this altar in which a lamb is facing forward and there's a chalice on the altar next to the lamb and the lamb while still standing and looking forward as though he's not in any pain whatsoever is gushing blood out of his chest and into the chalice upon the altar is a reference to john 129 ecce agnus dei and it translates to behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world this is a callback to Jesus as the symbolic Lamb of God who died on the, alt- on the altar of the cross in order to take upon all the sins of the world that were accumulated and that came at first from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and essentially damned all of mankind to hell before God came down incarnate in his son Jesus and died for all of our sins. Now, like I mentioned, the lamb has a wound on his chest. He's spurting blood into the chalice. And this is a reference to the sacrament of communion, where Catholics believe that during every single mass, when the priest goes through a particular process of consecration, the wine and bread is transformed into the literal blood and body of Jesus Christ. This is a process called This is a process called transubstantiation. The transubstantiation, the transubstantiation of the Eucharist is actually one of the major differences in belief between Catholicism and more Protestant slash Reformed denominations. Between Catholicism and more Reformed denominations, which teach that the transformation of the wine into blood is merely a symbolic gesture. Catholics are required to take it as a mysterious axiom of their faith, that there's a literal metaphysical transformation of the wine into the blood of Jesus. Now, to come back to the famous Restoration Project, at some point in the 16th century, parts of the painting, particularly the lamb, was painted over. And... The current restoration project that just ended in December 
was meant to remove the layer of paint that was added over the the original painting and that was to reveal the lamb's original face and what's so peculiar about the lamb in contrast with the rest of the painting is that the lamb doesn't have a realistic lamb face it has very human-like features it makes it very bizarre very 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 horror-esque to some people, very surreal, um, almost chimera-like. And it, it's it's somewhat off-putting. And, and if you're listening to this on IGTV, I'll, I'll be showing you, you'll, you'll be able to see what the transformation, what the, what the restoration did to the face of the lamb. And some people were very taken aback by this transformation because they didn't realize that this is extremely theologically important. This is to emphasize that the lamb isn't just a lamb, that this lamb is a depiction, a metaphor for Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very common motif in Catholic art to use Jesus's face as a metaphor for his nature, his dual nature. One of the most famous examples, I don't remember the name of the piece, but it's a depiction where half of a, the face of Jesus is more stern, more older, has different eyebrow, and the other half of his face is more soft. And this is to represent his dual nature, both as God, God the Father, one and the same as God, and the man. Jesus is both fully man and fully God according to Catholic theology. Now, th this depiction of the lamb's face is very, very clearly intentional because of this juxtaposition against an otherwise realist style. The reason why this piece is considered to be so groundbreaking and so brilliant is because it has more of a more realist elements and more technical more technically advanced realism than any other paintings of its time. Now, the altar of the Lamb is also surrounded by 14 angels holding various images of the crucifixion, including the cross and the crown of thorns. These elements also emphasize the bleeding Lamb as a symbol of the crucifixion, very explicitly showing that this is the the almost surreal extrapolation of what metaphysically happened and metaphorically happened in the death of Jesus on the cross. Now, there's a few other elements of this painting that I want to discuss, even though I'm not going to go into all of them for the sake of time. Above the altar is a, is a depiction of a dove, and below the altar is the fountain of life. Both of these are allusions to the baptism of Jesus Christ. The baptism of Jesus is one of the earlier stories in the gospel, and it centers around John the Baptist, who was a teacher preparing the way for Jesus's coming. Now, John is actually shown, John the Baptist is actually shown in the polyptic above the painting of the adoration of the mystic lamb, between on the to the right of Jesus on the panel above the adoration of the mystic lamb is a triptych 
which is a three-part painting with Jesus Christ the King in the middle, John the Baptist to the right, and Mary, his mother, on the left. Now, like I said in the story, John is a man who's preparing the way for the arrival of the Messiah. When Jesus finally arrives, John takes him into the Jordan River and baptizes him in the water. Upon his baptism, the sky opens up and the Holy Spirit appears as a dove above him. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus contrasts the water of baptism with the blood of his sacrifice. Water is meant to initiate people into a new life in Christ in their earthly life, and Jesus' blood initiates mankind into the everlasting life in heaven through his sacrifice that took upon everyone's sins. Now, different stories in Christianity also have contradictory definitions of what the Holy Grail is. Some of them refer to it as the chalice that Jesus drank from during the Last Supper, but others refer to it as the cup that caught Jesus' blood as after he died on the cross. According to the Gospels, both blood and water poured from Jesus' side after he died on the cross. This definition of the chalice is clearly what's depicted on the altar in its positioning relative to the fountain of life. These three elements, from the dove above the lamb to the lamb on the altar to the fountain, is three essential components from his incarnation through the Holy Spirit into his baptism and to his death on the cross. Maybe at some point I'll do an episode describing the entire polyptic, the 10-part the piece. Um, it'd probably be much longer, require a lot of research, but I thought this was a very interesting piece of art to discuss on Ash Wednesday. There's also a novel written by Albert Camus, the absurdist philosopher. The book is titled The Fall, and this polyptic is a very important motif throughout the novel. So uh, I plan on reading it and making a follow-up episode likening that novel, discussing the symbolism of this uh, this Ghent altarpiece polyptic uh, back to the motifs that I was discussing in this episode. Hope you like it. I believe tomorrow's episode will be about the concept of dualism in Rene Descartes' work versus the concept of dualism in Carl Jung's work. Okay, thank you very much for listening. This is Logo Soup, the daily podcast, episode one. Talk to you tomorrow.